I am with Cedar Shilagi. Chiligi. Chiligi. Got it. Um, Cedar has been tattooing since 1999 in the Bay Area of San Francisco. In 2005, they co-opened Diving Swallow Tattoo, a shop that has been well-respected and loved to this day in the Bay Area. Uh, Cedar shares with us about queerness, their history, and tattoo experiences. Um, Cedar, you were one of the artists that, uh, whenever I was looking to move to the Bay Area, I looked at your tattooing it made me excited to move here like I liked uh your realism and like the still lifes that you do and I was like oh yeah that shit's awesome okay like you you can do whatever you want there you know like it's uh you can have like a niche thing but I was always like really impressed with that uh how are you doing today thanks for saying that I'm doing pretty good just got off a day of tattooing and um excited to be doing this live event it's my first live event were you nervous yeah a little nervous I always get nervous beforehand (laughs) yeah a little bit the first five minutes I'm like oh hi how's it going you know so awkward yeah it loosens up though it gets easier we got an hour (laughs) we're good um I really like to start off with history because I feel like we're documenting tattoo history and the history of these tattoo artists. Um I loved all the stories about your grandma being a badass. Do you think you could share with us about your your grandma's like history? Yeah, she had such a wild life. So my dad on my dad's mom, Ava Chiligi, um yeah, it was pretty wild. She was born in Hungary and um lived a pretty normal um middle class life and then the war came in and she had to go into hiding um with her mom in like a swiss family's home and her first husband they you know persecuted him as being jewish i'm not sure actually if he was or not he must have been um he disappeared basically they put jewish people on the front line with no guns um And so she never saw him again. And then when the Russians came in to like liberate Hungary, she left and never went back to Hungary and somehow made it to Rome where she met her second husband who was Egyptian. And she married him and moved back to Egypt with him. And then when she got to Egypt, she found out that she'd married into a harem and he had 10 other wives. And so then, um, he she had to leave because she was his property so she escaped egypt somehow no one really knows how she made it back to she never she mentioned those stories she was never like well here's how i escaped the harem <laughs> no, she never talked to my dad about it. she kept it super secret i think she was worried that he would experience persecution um from like his jewish lineage and so she never shared any of that he found all of that out from her sister Zusika and her sister's husband Bandika and all their kids found out. So he found out all that stuff years later. Um, Yeah, and so she somehow made it to um, Cuba where she met my grandfather and had my dad in Cuba. So- Is your grandfather Cuban? No, my grandfather is Yugoslavian and you know, escaped persecution as a a Jewish person also escaped a concentration camp and um 
no one really knows how he made it, like why he made it, why he was in Cuba. Um, he was, I think I told you before, he was a spy. So he was like a spy for the um, German, against the German soldiers for the British army. And he was also a watch salesman cover job. So, but I don't know, he was, he died when my dad was in high school, I think. Um, and so- Did you ever talk about the spy days to your dad? Probably that's how my dad found out. Yeah. He well loved, my dad really loved him. But um, my dad, you know, he talks about things sporadically. I, he has been known to say to me when I ask him a question, oh, you can read about it, you know, when I die in my autobiography. That's what he likes. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't like give Is information. Writing an autobiography. Well, that's what he says. You know, <laughs> I hope so. I hope he is because I have lots of questions unanswered. Um, but we found all that stuff out. My sister and I when we ba- went back to Hungary. Like a lot of it, he didn't even tell us until that you trip. Talk to other family members who were like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It kind of yeah. just they nu- they told some stories and then we'd be like, what? And then it would nudge him to like say more. And that was about fifteen years ago or or a little more now that's a great opportunity to be able to go back and get those stories can you imagine if you didn't know all that stuff about your grandma I know every time I tell that story people are like what about your grandma I met her you know she was a devout Christian scientist and in a nursing home and you know she she spoke she her and my dad argued a lot so you know what's a Christian scientist uh, Christian science Christian scientist is um, where you basically, you don't believe in medicine. You, you believe in the power of healing and thought and stuff. So you're, and I was raised in Christian science till I was, I think I opted out at like 15. Yeah. Uh, uh, because I was playing a lot of soccer and I, I wanted to like. You get my- sprains all the time and stuff. You're like, I'm sorry, I can't really pray for this. I'm going to need to wrap this up. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cool thing about Christian science, I mean, I never, I didn't hate growing up in that religion. You grow up thinking you're perfect. You're like a a representation of God. So you're, you know, he has, he's perfect. So you're perfect. So you've just like gone out of alignment. So the the basic ideas is kind of great. Where all my friends were like sinners in like the confession box. I was just trying to pray to feel better about myself. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, at 15, I just, I wanted to take Advil and I like was getting cramps and you know <laughs> yeah definitely. I wanted to yeah like wrap my sprained ankle and stuff but I didn't hate growing up in Christian science um yeah but I, so, I can yeah all right so you're perfect you're... You grow, you're like a reflection of God so yeah you're like healing to get back into alignment with your like true who you truly are so the idea and there's um practitioners that will you pay to pray for you and you talk to them every day and I did a lot of like if I was sick listening to tapes there were tapes back then um in a room to, like singing kids singing and and people like talking like killing you with joy kind or... of or like saying sweet things about God I don't know it wasn't terrible it was just a lot of people think it it's close to Scientology or like a cult or something but yeah um, well, how does that fit in with like uh, queerness? Like, if you're in God's image and being perfect, great like, question. Be queer? Yeah, I mean, I came out. Um, I wasn't queer at the time of being Christian scientist, and so, and I never revisited thinking I'm going to be Christian scientist again. So I never <laughs> thought like, what do they think about queers? Um, yeah. So I'm not really sure what they 
I think, I don't know. That's a great question. Does your I, dad still practice? My dad doesn't practice and he, let's see, him and my mom met at a Christian science college and he, I think once they got divorced, he stopped being Christian scientist, but he, you know, he was the one who took us for our shots and to the dentist and stuff. So um, yeah. my mom was practicing. I, I would say, I mean, she might say she's still practicing, but I feel like she's sort of culturally Christian scientist at this point. Um, like without know. a church. Yeah. Like she, like she won't, she has a hard time going to the doctor for things. Um, when you're culturally Christian scientist, it's a little bit in all of the kids. Like you just don't think I'm going to go to the, I don't feel well. I'm going to call the doctor. You just think like, I'm just going to sleep. And there's just this way that you, you go into your body in this way that is a little different than maybe someone who's used to calling the doctor. I mean, I do now, but. What do they do about broken bones? I mean, here's the thing with Christian sciences. You can make a decision to go to the doctor and, you know, um, get things looked at like I had an aunt that it's not like you go and then you get like, out or out of the church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh it. I heard they went to the ER the other day yeah. exactly like yeah. you can make a decision and when my grandmother my mom's mom got colon cancer she didn't go to the doctor for like four months and then she finally decided to get help and that's when she got diagnosed with colon cancer and decided she was going to have it treated medically, which was a really big deal for like a matriarch of a family. There's only one of my aunts um, that decided not to be Christian scientist um, and everyone else was. So it was a really big deal for her to get treated, you know, have chemo every, every, um, every week. And, yeah. you know, she, she lived for another year Um you know who knows how how much quicker colon cancer would have taken her but um you do have a choice in christian science but there's like these there used to be when you would go to church like heal nights of where people would talk about their healings so you'd all sit in church and people would stand up and talk about like their their healings that's kind of interesting um i don't know it's an interesting religion i'm not that anymore i haven't been for so long but yeah (laughs) i still have i don't i don't hate it like i still have respect for it Mm -hmm. um in a lot of ways um and i have a lot of family members that are still christian scientists um Um, is your did your parents meet in texas or they met at christian science college i think it's in missouri st louis missouri um and there are christian science camps and um, places where people go to like be old and are, there's often are you still there oh wait oh there you go you froze for a second I hope I was doing something fun with my face <laughs> mine is okay all right are we all good I think we're good you can hear me yeah you froze for a second too yeah okay good um all right and where did your parents meet were they so they met in uh college at a Christian science college and I think in St. Louis Missouri and I was just saying there's Christian science places for, you can go to a Christian science place to be older. You can go to camp to be, you know, there's all the Christian science separatists and they don't call themselves that, but it's like Christian science places. Yeah. Um, I never met ever their love for Christian science. Well, they like, you know, I guess if you're at a Christian science camp, you get to, when in Texas, there were not very many other Christian scientists. Like we were definitely like weird yeah. Um, we would go to a camp, I guess, and feel less weird. Um, and like everyone else, all you get to meet all the other kids that are, um, 
I'm highlighted. Well, <laughs> you get to meet all the other kids who are maybe also pray to get better and you don't feel. <laughs> I don't know, I never you might that. also pray to get better. <laughs> um, okay, so you grew up in Texas then. Yeah, I grew up in Texas, born in Houston. And then when my parents got divorced, moved to Austin, um, you know, before I was 10. And uh, yeah, it well, wasn't a small town though. Austin's like a cool. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Seattle it's it's hip um it's yeah, more sure like it's much different portland, to portland. okay yeah yeah you know although there's a lot of more tech now so yeah mm-hmm. it's like a live music um there's a university of texas is there so there's a lot of students influx of a lot of like younger young blood um that sounds like a fun place to grow up it's really it's pretty great yeah i really liked it um you know anywhere they you call grow. it like the velvet rut what do they call awesome. it? Like the velvet rut. Like it's so good and everything runs so slow and it's really hard to get out of because you're just like. Chilling. I've literally yeah. never heard that, but I like it. The velvet <laughs> rut. Are they call that about any, like, is that any town that's in the middle of a, a little hellhole? Oh, I guess so. Velvet rut. Like it's just a nice that. place to get stuck, but you can get stuck. You yeah, know? I think you probably can because Texas is huge and you don't really want to go. Well, I mean, there are so many beautiful places in Texas to go, but it is definitely like the liberal pocket. Yeah, that is the one. Yeah. Um, so what did you do there? Uh, like as a child? Yeah. Um, I did lots of drawing. I did lots of running. I was very much into soccer. So, And I was obsessed with soccer starting at a pretty young age. Um, much to my parents' chagrin, like they had to go to a lot of soccer games and soccer practices <laughs> i had to get a minivan <sighs> they had they had a minivan that i <laughs> definitely wrecked at least once and um yeah so i played a lot of soccer i mean i would say 90 percent of my life was playing soccer and then art classes art was really fun um, my sister also drew kate and she's still an artist to this day and did you have any uh, idol that you looked up to in soccer? I guess there wasn't like Mia Hamm or anything. No, like Mia Hamm was like my idol for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was later on because um, it was. Uh, I remember whenever I was a kid and her like getting bigger. Would you say soccer like um, like women's soccer was big at all back then? I mean, it was. It's not as big as it is now. You know, yeah. there was like. Um, there were like three or four big stars like Mia Hamm. Um, I even drew a picture in art class that's a hyper-realistic like pencil drawing where it's like her body, she's doing like a in-the-air sidekick and there's a ball that's, I made it translucent against her leg. <laughs> I'll have to show, I'll send it to you. It's, ah, when I see it, that sounds yeah. awesome. Um, so anyway, Mia Hamm was definitely one of my idols. Um, there were, like I said, like four or five, but there weren't very many and there certainly weren't very many in Texas. So because even though I really wanted to be a soccer star, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if it was possible, but I did a lot of soccery, you know, but you were on track to be a, like a pro or I wanted to be professional, you know, I was, yeah. you know, I did Olympic development and I was playing with older people and, and yeah, I, I really was, um, I really wanted to be a soccer star. <laughs> how did it feel in high school did you have other like queers that you played with in soccer you know not that I know of it actually didn't come out until probably my senior year 
or junior. That's not true. Junior year. Maybe I was a junior. So I didn't come out until a little later, but um, there, there probably were some queers. I mean, I know of one person that was my best friend a long time ago. She didn't play on my team, but she's, she's queer. Um, that always seems to happen. Like um, whenever you're younger and all your friends start coming out. I know, <laughs> I know there actually, there was one person that, that was like a goalkeeper that I know of that, that were Facebook friends that she was gay. I mean, I feel like it's soccer. Like it's got to be. think there'd be more. There probably yeah. were more. I just don't know. I'm not in contact with them. I'm like in contact with all my like straight. And like um, most people weren't coming out until they were older and stuff. That's yeah. I mean, I guess that happens now. Well, I mean, this was the this was the late '90s mm-hmm. or the '90s actually. So um, you know, and it was in Texas, so. So you just don't do that. Yeah, I guess not. You know, <laughs> actually, in my high school, there was one dyke cop that ran that. Like, I I felt safe because I kind of became friends with her, and I was took a girl to prom. cop for the school, or she yeah, was in high for school. the high school. She was like super oh. dyke, major dyke, and that's and I took a straight girl from like oh, my all cops kind of look like dykes in that uniform though. No, but yes, but she had like a mullet. And she, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> her yeah. would like pick her up from school like she was gay oh and you open know? about it very open about yeah it. open about it and tough like you didn't really want to mess with her and no one bothered her you know yeah. she wasn't really the cop she was like the security guard or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I took a girl to prom too like this girl from my photography class I took to prom straight girl she just was fun my mom took pictures of us and everything me and her random girl and oh my, my gosh boyfriend. yeah you got away with taking a girl to prom yeah your senior year my yeah I guess so what did your year. mom think that you were just gal pals <laughs> no at that point she knew I was I was gay and she also knew that this person wasn't my girlfriend it was just like oh, okay. oh, that's know. pretty cool yeah but- it was pretty cool and I also was like in high school, I was like friends with one person from each group kind of thing. So I felt pretty safe, you know? Yeah. You know that I didn't, I didn't have like a crew. I had like a different group. It just was a way to feel safe. That's good. Um, and do you, um, I mean, like being in that city, it probably helps, right? Like that was probably yeah. a more open city. Yeah. But then it's the 90s. They're still like having, I don't know. I mean, there was certainly homophobia, but when you're in high school and you're like staunchly coming out, you're like, fuck it. Fuck you. You know, I don't care. I don't care. I'm gay. What? Um, Also, I was playing soccer and I was feeling strong and cocky. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Um, did they have in your high school? Was that co-ed soccer? Um, There was a a co-ed. No. In high school, it wasn't co-ed. It was like women's team, men's team. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some co-ed stuff in like Olympic development. And I was on a club team. Yeah. Um, f- starting pretty young. My dad paid a buttload of money for me to be on it. Um, so we played. I played with, yeah, club team. It's like uh, they have it here in California, I'm sure. It's just you pay extra money to practice your ass off and play in tournaments and play in games. It's like a an organization outside of the school so there's like high school play high schools play each other and then the club teams 
separate play each other outside of school. And the club teams are co-ed. Yeah. Uh, no, the club teams are also like women, men. Oh, yeah. um, but co-ed happens sometimes if you're like going to a tournament together. I didn't play co-ed. You know, mm. I just, there were just sometimes when we were doing tournaments and stuff, there were like men around, but I played a, oh, I played a little bit of co-ed, like pick up soccer games, but I wasn't yeah, like yeah. on a co-ed team. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. In our pre-interview, that's what I was, I was thinking about. Um, Cause you were talking about like soccer and like trying to figure out like gender identity and yeah. like queerness all at the same time. And I was like, oh, I wonder how that felt like playing like co-ed, like, was that like better or worse? You know, like which way, but um if it was mostly women's teams and stuff i mean i did do my occasional playing playing of men if we're if it's all gendery um and you know but it was usually it wasn't like competitive you know it was very like gender segregation yeah yeah um but whenever you were talking about the pressure to explore like gender identity and queerness like um in high school um, where did you see that come out the most? Was that like in sports or just like your day to day, just trying to figure yourself out and like having crushes and stuff like that? I was like a jock. So, you know, you could easily get away with just wearing like soccer shorts and a t-shirt all yeah. the time, you know? Um, and yeah, I guess that was explored when you're going out with your friends. Cause on the soccer field, everyone's you know, there's ponytails happening, but it's all like, it's a uniform. You're dressed for sports. Yeah. For sports. Like, you yeah. have your fin guard, you have your long socks, you know, yeah. you have, uh, everyone's the same mostly, although there were obviously some girls on my team that had like makeup and earrings and stuff on, but um, yeah. I guess going out, you know, after the game, going out, going to tournaments and like going out, you're, you know, you're in New Orleans and you want to you have a night with everybody and what are you going to wear? That kind of thing. That was very much, that was very confusing for me because everyone, like I said, in the pre-interview, everyone was wanting to get like feminine. They wanted to get dressy. They wanted to put on their dresses and their big earrings and their high heels. And I was just like, uh, I didn't even know how to, I was just like in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, You're like, how do I get ready? Not really understanding. Like I kind of just looked like, you know, masculine girl. Um, and I had, I had long hair until I think in high school, I shaved my head. Like I bicked my head to, to, to try it. I look, I look terrible with the sides or like the whole thing, the whole thing. I bicked it. Um, and I looked like a wet seal. Like it was a terrible, look <laughs> <laughs> I have so many pictures where I was just like, Oh, Oh my goodness. Um, what did the girls on like your teams and stuff think about it? Were they like, everybody's in uniform the whole time and then whenever you'd be out getting ready they're like wait you're not gonna they just I think I'm just like the masculine girl friend who is like funny and quirky and you know arty I was like the art one on the team um the quirky art kid (laughs) yeah I don't you know it's curious I'm curious if anyone was like she was fucking gay like I don't know I mean you bicked your head I mean, at that yeah. point, at, at that yeah. point, I had I was out, right? But yeah, I had okay. like, long hair to my chin for a while, and um, yeah, had a lot of interesting looks. But I don't know. I was playing with gender a lot. I was trying to figure it out. Um, and I would say when I went to college is when I I started to really think more about how I was dressing and that I could I could wear things other than like oversized t shirts and baggy shorts, like that I could 
you know, dress like a fancy man and feel in between, you know, I just felt very in between and didn't quite know, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel trans actually. I didn't even know a word for that at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I wanted to transition. Um, but I also didn't feel like, like a, like a woman. Yeah. The fancy lady. So there's, there's so many variants now, but at the time you just, you just felt like, Oh, do I have to choose? Like what, what do I need to do to make that regular? So it's just like in a constant thing I've been thinking about. There's like this um, idea, like we've been talking, I've been talking with like friends and stuff, but like, when do you like work on like more accepting your body and, and like what you like? And then when do you work on like being like, okay, do I want to make these like alterations and do I want to like, I don't know, wear a binder every day or experiment? with those things you know and it's like it seems like uh there's these battles where it's like ah do I just like try to really work on like loving my chest or do I you know like stuff like that right do I like oh try to make these alterations I feel like that's like a hard battle for like a lot of people like well what am I supposed to do like am I supposed to like which side do I lean into and then will that make me happy right I think that no one ever, I mean, I don't know. Some people seem to know, like, and they're like, I made the right decision. Um, I, you know, I guess for me, I'm into my chest. I've never had giant boobs. So I haven't had to deal with that. I've just been like, yeah, my chest is kind of flat and fine. That's been this like same bra size since I was like 13 or something. And that's been fine, you know? Um, so I don't know, maybe we're good. We're in between there. (laughs) But if I was bigger, I might have felt differently. Um, you know, and I certainly like sports bras, um, and it sucks to not be able to like jump in a Creek with a bunch of people and feel like, you you know, have to wear a top. So that's always, of course, going to suck a little bit. Um, but you know, I don't mind the like dyke swimming outfit of sports bra and baggy shorts it's fine yeah (laughs) um and there's all sorts of new swimsuit you like um i don't know if it's like a unitard or whatever you call those things or it's like oh yeah where it's like your whole suit yeah those things seem kind of cool i haven't tried it yet but i I imagine i would like it um i always just want to take more off like i know i get in a hot tub or something like that i'm like uh how what's like the quickest and most appropriate way to just take my top off like this is so exhausting like I wish it it could be like oh at the beach like let me just take everything off let's go you know I know I know I feel like I'm always kind of ready for the beach so I always have you know like the outfit underneath (laughs) like you can always go swimming in it it's just oh yeah like the boxers and the in the um sports bras constant yeah you're like I'm ready to go all the ready time. Ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> I think, you know I'm 42 now, and I just I've just I guess I've just gotten comfortable with my body. Um, yeah. It's certainly taken a long time, but I don't I don't know. I, you know, when I was coming out and back in you know late 90s, and then all of 2000. What do we call it? 2010, 2000 that era, 2010. That early era. early O's. Early, early I don't know what you call it. <laughs> that whole time um I 
there were a lot of conversations about being trans and um, chest surgery and um, all the different feelings that were happening in the queer community about that. And, and um, yeah, I just never felt like called, I did never call, felt called to, to have chest surgery to transition. Yeah. I just still feel pretty similar to now where it's just in between, you know? Yeah, and, just like and, Yeah. Exactly. And I was telling like fluctuation day to day, or do you feel like, oh, I'm like always in between androgynous, like this is like your, you know? I mean, I never swing into the, into the feminine. Yeah. I like swimming, swimming, swimming also. I like swinging (laughs) into the masculine. I love swimming. I love swimming. I like swinging into the masculine more. Um, I feel mostly between all the time. Um, But again, it's like fun to swing into the, um, into the masculine more. Um, I was telling you in the pre-interview that I had tried to get pregnant for a couple years. And that was something that I really, I really wanted to be seen as non-binary and was going by they, them all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I just decided after, after I stopped trying to get pregnant, I went more into the direction of whatever pronoun like I kind of wish people would play with it like I told you before like I just variant yeah like sometimes call me he sometimes call me they they. like it's fun I I like I think of it more as play than you know I don't love being called ladies anywhere you know people always do that I mean that always just sounds like kind of scummy anyways like ladies I mean there are some women that do it like waitresses who are like I just want you to know that I know that you're a woman that's and I don't want you to think I would rather be heat all day long like yeah in fact I like it I'd rather be like sir you know I'd rather just call me sir or you know yeah, if someone calls me he, that I like blush. I'm like, oh my, like yeah, it's nice. It's good. And then yeah. I feel like I shouldn't talk because my voice has an octave too high for it to be he. So I just will just be kind of quiet and like just yeah. You're like, let's just roll with this token. If I start talking, yeah. The just the other day at the car wash when I um was getting my car washed uh, before he rolled down the window, he's like, sir, sir, on the window, and then I rolled down. I was like, you know answer just like hmm. oh sorry sorry <laughs> i want to be like no i don't care just don't don't man me or yeah um, call me ladies with my girlfriend at the at the table I, like i don't need you i don't need to know that you know that i was born female yeah i don't really it doesn't matter you know i think people, people just do it they just do it in uh, california and stuff like starting off with they and or asking pronouns like that's appreciated yeah for sure yeah but yeah the I like the variant pronoun thing too it's like oh yeah call me any of the three but you gotta switch it up otherwise it's it's weird if you just call me like ma'am or you know totally exactly um yeah um, do you have any hot tips for people like trying to figure out their fluidity or non-binariness? Um, stick with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like my advice for everything. You know, just when you think you're not going to, it's, it's one thing, then it's some, for me, in terms of being, you know, in between, it's always sort of shifting around. And so mm-hmm. um, I would say just be patient with yourself and, um, and let it don't don't judge yourself for feeling confused like it's kind of confusing 
to be yeah, somebody who doesn't fit into like he she all the time like yeah. uh in it and play with it like have fun with it which i feel like so many people now in the, the generations that are coming after me are doing so much like there's so yeah. much interplay that i never experienced when i was growing up which i love yeah i see some people doing it like so comfortably and so casually and then some people like are like oh fuck what is my life like the anxiety that comes with that like, right so I'm definitely seeing both sides around the buds and stuff but um it is nice that it is coming up more you know I know I love it I love it um and I hope it continues I would like it to just be able to gender to be played with all the time also to just be like I go by he and then a year later be like I go by she or yeah hey and I don't know it shouldn't it's, it's nice that it's not set yeah it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be this big permanent decision or thing it's like just try this for a minute just try this and try that you know exactly it's like whatever makes you feel good if that made you feel good for like just a month that's okay um um so in i'm switching subjects like very broadly quickly um in oh there we go in college you majored in sculpting I did I got my BFA in sculpture oh do you need to switch to your phone really quick oh yeah I didn't know if I should say that out loud like I need to switch to my phone because because yeah just do it on my phone quick uh me and Lauren will show some of your tattoos while you switch to your phone do I just all I do is just press that link Yep, that same Zoom link I sent you. Okay, I'm going to do it right now. <clears throat> Lauren, are you around? Yep, I'm right here. So yeah, if we want to show off some some different tattoos, artwork, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on on Instagram that we should just dive right into. Mm -hmm. And like people keep asking me to show more of the artist's work and everything. Oh, so okay. it's definitely our chance to soak it in. Okay. I mean, it's not like dead yet, but I can, I'm going to leave this meeting and go to the other one. Yeah, okay. perfect. Oh, and you're we'll you're here. perfectly overlapped. You're both in. Oh, both good. both seaters are in. Oh, look, right here. Okay, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can end one. Connecting to audio. I know you oh. had shared this image with me, so I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, I love that. Oh, Cedar, can you hear us? uh-huh yeah i know the sound is not as amazing but no it's pretty good actually okay yeah. good will you tell us about this piece yes i do not remember the artist but it was a duplication a chestnut duplication my client mm -hmm. came in and um wanted as what i do sometimes pre-pandemic was just put out like 12 or 13 pieces that i want people to get yeah and um this was one of the pieces and she chose it and um i just love it i love the like quiet shadows and yes. I love the chestnuts and how like dark how dark they are but yeah. they still look so delicious and have so um, much color to them still yeah I love those yeah, I love that piece so much um in the green and it healed really well it makes me very happy um and <laughs> so uh, going on to another image what are these dark images like of the seahorse um what are those those are drawings that I, I, when I'm just drawing for pleasure, I, mm -hmm. I draw just on black paper with a chalk 
char chalk or charcoal pencil. Those so are that beautiful. Thank you. I did I did that one for um is that event that we had, Haley? That benefit event? QTA? The yeah, QTA. Yeah, I did that one for the QTA event. Oh, I don't yeah. remember who we were benefiting. Is it Starline and uh, yeah, uh, Starline Punks for anti, Lunch and anti yeah. project? Yeah, that's yeah, what I did yeah. that one for. It wasn't related necessarily to the to the no, music. we're just trying to make that money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for um, anti police steroid project. <laughs> yeah, but this was a pregnant seahorse that I drew. I just love that you know male seahorses give birth. They're so cool. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Um, speaking of gender, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah for real. So yeah, and I, this is a, the way that I like to draw. Um, it's also very time consuming and tedious, like tattooing, but all the yeah. little details. But that's just kind of how my brain is, I guess. Yeah, I get bored if there's not a lot going on. I can't. I do. Yeah. Feel that way. Yeah, definitely. I think I need the detail to keep me engaged. Yeah, uh, I think if it's just solid fill in, it drives me crazy. Exactly. I like try to find the the. I'm like, oh, how solid can I get this, and that will maybe keep my attention. But I need all that weird texture and stuff. Yeah, it's fun. It's like playing with playing with your art. Yeah, I love it. Um, do you still do sculpting? You majored in sculpting in um, college, right? I did. Um, yeah, I, yes. I mean, if you consider like going into the woods and making weird stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, I like, I learned how to build a table one time and I've done wood turning and I made a pen one time in my wood turning class. And, but, you know, I kind of feel like tattooing is sculptural. Yeah. Um, you know, people three-dimensional putting, putting an image on their body and making it look not like a sticker, but something that moves with the body is really hard to do. Yeah. Cause um, you're not working on these like flat surfaces, like they're, they're all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 3D. Exactly. And so I think you have to have an idea of, um, bodies to mention and stuff for that to work. So I feel like I definitely brought my sculptural background into my tattoo work, but I don't, I would never say I'm a sculptor. I would just say I'm an artist, but I don't, I don't sit, I've done lots of, I did non-ferrous um, metal, like welding at some point in high school. And I've done, I went to um, Rhode Island School of Design for the summer and I did um, like a stone carving class and I've done lots of um, like clay thing I've done all the, I've like done the gamut of sculpture nothing really resonated yeah. in the way that tattoo did but that makes sense um how did you get into doing, that I like how you're doing the Instagram feed oh yeah we're good these are so beautiful though are there um, any others that you'd like um me to pull up for you guys um yeah if you have something in particular you'd like to show whatever you want to show it's all it's all I'm proud of all of it you know it's I really weird. like how this flows myself. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I uh, love that piece. That's like the client, the one client that I worked on in November. Uh, that was that client. She was awesome. She was so cool during the pandemic. Anytime we had an appointment, she would send me a tip saying like, thank you so much. I'm sorry we're not working right now. Like the first person that I tattooed and just continues to be awesome. I really like that piece though. I thought it was, I liked the dark leaves and then the like delicate, tiny little purple flowers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really love that too. 
I really love doing painting duplications because I feel like I get to understand or explore what another artist was thinking while they were painting. Like what decisions they make, you know, mm-hmm. so interesting. How did you get interested in tattooing? Um, well, I was leaving art school and I was like, how the hell am I going to make money? So I, and you know, I was in the, it was in the nineties in the queer world and, um, tattooing was a job that I saw queers making money at. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, I could try tattooing. I actually, when I first got into tattooing, I thought I was going to do it in some kind of art way. Um, like for one of my senior projects, I, I took one of my sort of, I did a drawing style for a while. It's like very Miro based. So it was like line drawings, like these, these big bulbous heads and body parts. And I did one, ta- one tattoo on a, on a grapefruit. And then I colored one piece of it green. And then I did like, I don't know, 200 of the same drawing, same creature holding different things. And then I like shoved all those into a shape on the wall. And I was, that was one of my critiques I had to do for art school. That's awesome. Um, but I just thought I would do something wacky with my tattoo knowledge. But then once I started learn, I was like, it's pretty neat on its own. Like, I don't have to push it. There's so much to learn within the industry itself. Seriously. You don't have to you push know, it to like a... I didn't have to be like a quirky artist at the gallery. Yeah, exactly. I didn't need to do that. Um, So I, I just got interested in it because first of all, because I wanted to make art and make money at the same time, leaving art as a sculptor with, and I had no clear idea what kind of sculpture I wanted to do. It just felt really daunting. Spent a bunch of money in art school, having no clue how I was going to make money and pay my loans back, you know? Um, And so I, yeah, I started, I started looking for an apprenticeship and, um, my good friend at the time, what her, I started learning from somebody's friend basically. And then that didn't really work out. So then I just started looking for apprenticeships in the Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you going. have any tattoos? Um, I did. The first person I got tattooed by was actually the person who was teaching me she did a couple things on me like a couple of my drawings that I regret those tattoos and then um she tattooed um my this was my favorite bone the ulna bone and so I made her color it orange because I was like people pay attention to that bone now so a lot of my tattoos (laughs) are kooky and weird you know yeah Um, at the time I didn't have my sleeve so it was just like an orange dot people be like what's that and so it just started a conversation. Um, and then my first big piece was done by Scott Campbell in like a house that he was, he was living at the time with someone that I was going to college with. And so he's super famous in LA now or something, but um, he like climbed trees with me and um, we just had a super sweet first tattoo. I had a great tattoo experience with him and he would like whistle while he worked this sweet little like bird whistle and <laughs> uh, I always have loved him you know like you really love your first tattoo artist if it's a good experience I felt yeah, like dedicated to that experience and I think um getting tattooed by him was another indication that I loved the work like I loved mm-hmm. the the intimacy with the client like you sharing this idea that was important to them and then and then manifesting it on them felt beautiful um and and so beautiful 
Yeah, it's really a great and job. It is really you know? intimate. And I mean, now it I've is. gone to like been the groomsman and, you know, clients' weddings and stuff. You spend so much yeah. time. You know? Yeah, and people like trust you and you're hurting them, but you're doing this thing on them. And <laughs> I've yeah, always I really that they, they get hurt so many times every time they see your face. And then whenever they see your face, they like fear you. Like that shock I've never had thing. it hasn't happened yet That's but I'm funny. always scared of it like I'm like oh you should hate me by now every time you see me I bring you pain like we should have drinks after or something to really like balance this out you know that's hilarious I I always have to tell myself like they're paying me to do this yeah exactly they're paying me to they're paying me to do this um but yeah sometimes I remind the client that like you're paying me to do this you chose this <laughs> yes yeah I, I, I know. will stop when you say stop that will be fine fine by me <laughs> I know it's so true that's so so funny um so you did an apprenticeship uh with the crew um like Leslie and oh yeah so we interviewed Leslie first our first episode. yeah I know I listened to it, it was so great um, so you so, started yeah. your apprenticeship with those guys? Yeah. So I uh, started my apprenticeship at Black and Blue. I had my apprenticeship with Black and Blue. And at the time it was um, Natalie Chandler, Dexa, Zeph, who was Fish at the time, but Zeph now, um, Rocio, who now goes by Wolf, and who else was there? Leslie. And then there were other people kind of in and out. I'm sure I forgot someone important. There were, there was like a piercer who has since passed away. And then um, towards the end was like Sam McWilliams and, and Williams. There's just, there's been a lot of people that I knew through yeah. that shop. So yeah, I started my apprenticeship there and I had my apprenticeship there. I learned from everybody pretty collectively um, and became good friends with a handful of them. And, oh, and Marie Wadman, now Marie Brennan was there also, of course. And yeah, and then I worked there for some time before we opened up Diving Swallow. And we opened up Diving Swallow in uh, 2005. How'd you decide to open up uh, Diving Swallow? You know, I was just tired of working for someone else, you know, even though it was a queer shop and it felt like an important time and place. I also just wanted to stop giving a huge percentage of my money to a shop owner. And, um, you know, now we have Diving Swallow as like rent based. That also yeah. felt important for us because uh, percentage, it was just so much money. And the nice thing about rent is that, you know, you pay your rent and then you get to make whatever extra. So I like that has always, yeah, yeah, it's it felt so much more fair. And also like, you don't have to feel super micromanaged where yeah. you're just like, oh, I'm not working enough or on enough day people. Am I supposed to come in? Uh, I, yeah, exactly. And yeah. And that, so that kind of carried that feeling over into how we started Diving Swallow. And um, you yeah. Rent for people who take walk-ins too. Um, yeah. Yeah. We don't really. Like, how like, do they, are they like expensive? Like, oh, well, what if they don't make that money that month? Because I, I well, like, I'll be like, if you're a walk-in artist, do percentage. If you're, if you're a private artist, like you have all your clientele, do rent. Um, yeah. Just until, and then whenever your walk-in artist gains the clientele to be able to rent a spot out, be like, yeah, sure. You can switch anytime you want, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, the thing with Diving Swallow is it's never been like a walk-in shop. Like they're just like when we first yeah, opened it in 2005, sense. people weren't walking around in 2005 and, and like there was nothing to see in downtown Oakland at that mm-hmm. in that area. Like there wasn't a bookshop, coffee shop, hair salon, you know, it was like health insurance and so it's like either way you bring your own clientele yeah like from the get-go we sort of set it up as rent and then we just didn't have walk-in stuff um and then now they're i we we haven't had a lot of people who want to do walk-ins a lot of people are really just want to build their clientele and they'll work we encourage them to work like maybe like one day a week or sometimes people say like work for one day a month just try it out um and then so yeah usually it's just the day rate is just no matter what and if someone is you know it just varies depending on if someone cancels or something but usually yeah it's like a constant struggle either way for artists to figure it out but yeah we don't we don't do percentage it's just too much brain space brain um it's too hard to figure out yeah you know to manage it I mean, yeah. I can figure it out, but to manage it, you know, No, to manage it is a whole thing. Cause, um, like say if they want to be like a walk-in artist, then they literally have to open and close the shop because they're there waiting for walk-ins. Right. Yeah. And then they have the key and all the things. And, um, yeah, I could see like how Castro has to be a consistency at that. Yeah. Castro's it's Castro's a, a lot of walk-ins. Yeah. I mean, the, actually yeah. the area that we're in now they're, you know, there probably will be a lot of walk-ins at some point, but we've been in the pandemic and we're sparse anyway for just for safety reasons, mm-hmm. you know, still. Yeah, um, that's what we are. All of my artists are private artists right now. And now yeah. like, oh, I'll hire someone to take the walk-ins. It's it's pride. There's like thousands yeah. of people in the city. They're going to like want this, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a shop like that, I can see how that would really benefit everybody, you know? Yeah um so it's diving swallow has been going strong for so long and survived the pandemic yeah um as a shop owner what's the best advice you can give on having a good shop no i mean not the best can't put you on the spot like right now what's your best (laughs) advice but like some advice okay my advice for having a good shop is the same advice as being genderqueer (laughs) stick with it yeah stick with it that's my advice for everything (laughs) I mean um our shop has been through a lot of different things a lot of different people uh, a lot of different you know it's gone through different owners Um, everything's constantly changing all the time yeah I mean (laughs) with the pandemic I mean it was very hard to keep the shop open during the pandemic our landlord gave us no deal and um you know how we didn't charge our artists any money of course like that's ridiculous and so I was just I mean a lot of loans and we did a GoFundMe and we just worked I mean I worked tirelessly to get us grants and never grants never came through it was a total waste of time not knocking grants I never got the California relief grant either I never got that I never got any of that stuff yeah Yeah, they're all loans that we got to yeah, loans, EIDL and the PPP. And, you know, it was really hard work keeping it open and during the pandemic. Um, I'm really proud that we that Wolf and I did it, but it was not easy. And, uh, you know, over the years, there have been times that are hard and there have been times that are super easy, but there's always like something you have to figure out. Again, yeah. I would just say stick with it. Like being a shop owner specifically is not easy. 
but it's rewarding if you can if you can do it in a way where your artists feel cared for and thought about and um for us it was just there are a lot of things that we feel like are really important um so just sticking to that and you know trying to communicate the best you can with everyone um yeah I would say stick with it that's my advice (laughs) that's good advice yeah also we didn't we had a land our landlady self she calls herself a landlady she passed away like i don't know six years ago seven years ago so then we her sister took over the building oh that's weird and so and you know that can cause so much anxiety switching landlords after you've been there for so long yeah i mean it was a it was a while ago now but um we've been through all kinds of things like is a building gonna sell what's happening and all kinds of stuff um we just continued to weather it yeah we've continued to weather it though and so um, and it helps being having a solid business partner um, who also is dedicated to the place. So, yeah, I'm Have proud you. of Diving Swallow. I'm like really. I'm proud of Diving proud Swallow. Of it's, that it's stood the test of time and, you know, it's there's um, all kinds of people there. And I love all that different artists that have come and gone. And we have some artists that have left, but continue to guest for years. And yeah, yeah I'm proud of it. Thanks. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to in the future? Uh, well, tattooing full time. I mean, if we're talking about pre, you know, post pandemic here, I I would like, I can't wait to tattoo all the time and not be scared. Like tattoo without a mask. I'll be so excited for that day. I don't know when I'll ever be ready for it, but, um, I know, right. But I will be happy just to do my work again, honestly, you know, and not feel afraid. So that's like a real, it's a low bar right now because of the pandemic. I would probably Seriously? answer that really differently. Like, like oh, a year we, we just want to, you yeah, know, we like, just wanna, um, like tattoo and like not wear masks. <laughs> like, like, well, uh, at least the bar yeah, like, will be pretty happy later. Yeah. That's pretty great. Exactly. Um, um, I'm, but I'm excited for like guest artists to come back and stuff too. Yeah. I miss that a lot. That was really great, like, just having yeah. uh, somebody come through from, like, across the country or the world or just a fucking city over and just hang out with us, like, spice up our yeah, it's tattoo new, area. New energy. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. new energy, like, uh, stories from their town and their clients. And, yeah, I miss that. I hope that comes soon. Yeah, me too. Um, well, I would like to ask if anybody has any questions. Um Let's see. Um, if anybody has any questions, think of any if you have any. And oh, my internet. There we go. Okay. Yeah, your internet's coming a little bit in and out. Okay. Did everybody hear that? I don't know. Was it choppy? Cool. If anybody's watching too, Haley and I were talking before about guests. If you have any cool ideas and all, that'd be awesome to hear future people that you'd like to see and hear from. Cedar, you've got some cool stories. I'm sure like a million. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about, I love this, this show. I'm excited to hear all the different interviews that happen. All the different. And then I can, uh, 
say goodbye if there aren't any. Um, you can follow Cedar at Cedar Tattoos. Uh, that's C-E-D-R-E Tattoos. You can follow Guy Atchison's Reinventing the Tattoo at Reinventing the Tattoo. And you can follow me at Haley Adams Tattoos and this interview series at Live in the Castro Tattoo. Um, also check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Lauren, do you see any questions out there? Uh, not right now. People are enjoying the show. Thank you to everybody, everybody who's watching. They liked your questions tonight. So thank you for putting those together for tonight. Yeah, thank you, Haley. Cool. Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming out, Cedar. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay. Have a good night. Bye, you too.